0: I, uh, I just have some things I'd like to share with you for a little while. Uh, I'm not really sure how long we'll go, but several things, as I've already said uh, in the video yesterday, that a few things the Lord had already kind of laid on my heart earlier this week that I assumed at that point would would maybe be what I preached uh, this evening. And obviously the circumstances are... Are a little bit different than what I expected them to be, and so I still uh, I kind of feel led that that's what I want to just share with you. But before I get to that, and I I touched on this this morning, and um, I, I want to just kind of start with it for a few minutes here. I guess it's it's a little bit of a burden of mine. Uh, one of the things that through the years I've I've heard my dad not only in a in a public setting, but in in our own personal conversations that he's kind of shared with me, teaching me, instructing me. And and that is that a lot of times what we feel um, is not necessarily us. It's not necessarily what we're dealing with. But the Lord is allowing us to, to feel what others are feeling. We're, we're picking up on what's going on around us. And so I, I, I've kind of decided maybe that that this is not necessarily... Um, my own sort of struggle and challenge, that but maybe the Lord is allowing me to sort of feel what some of you are dealing with, um, and I'm I'm not prepared to say that that there's no element of this that is not my own sort of personal struggle or challenge right now, but but I also am um, I guess I'm deciding to believe that maybe the Lord is just kind of allowing me also to feel this because some of you um are 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 feeling this and, and dealing with this and that is I I touched on it this morning but sort of the uh the up and down of of faith and trust and confidence. And uh you know one moment you're kind of on the mountain of faith and confidence and God's got all of this and it's crazy and it's different. We've never been through this before but it's all gonna be alright to the the next news report, or the next time you get on social media, you kind of find anxiety and fear and whatever battling you. And, and uh, I, I just want to say, again, that the Lord knows our frame. And um, I, I, I know that uh, this is not a closed broadcast, <laughs> and I know that, that uh, this is available either to some who may be watching right now, Um, but perhaps others that may watch an archive in the future. And so I I just want to say before I I, I make my next few comments uh, that that I'm I'm speaking first and foremost to the people that God has given me the privilege and responsibility of pastoring at this point in time. Um, And so I've heard, I've read, and I've heard uh, several statements, um, and I'll I'll just say it fairly plainly. Uh, and and the ones that sort of would apply to me is from the context of of those that may not be having their regularly scheduled church services. Um, I, I, again, as I have said, I'm I'm trying simply to to, to the best of my ability to follow the leading of the Spirit um, and, and do what the Lord wants us to do. And at the end of the day, all I can do is Trust that I am pleasing God, and as long as I'm pleasing him that that's really my only responsibility but but there there is something that that keeps kind of coming to mind and and I want to again bring this down to sort of a personal level. Um, I use that as kind of my analogy or or part of my challenge, but I realize that's not necessarily your challenge, but I believe some of you may very well still be facing this challenge or Maybe you're around some people that are professing faith and confidence and no fear, no worry, and, and you're struggling a little bit. So I want to read a couple of things from Romans uh, that Paul says that I think apply to this, this situation. The, the first one I want to read is Romans 12 and uh, verse number three. And actually, this is, this is, this is the follow-up to, to those two very well-known verses that Probably many of you can quote where Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he says that we're not to be conformed to this world, to be transformed. And, and so this is the verse following that Paul says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt. And this is this last part of this verse. He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let me read that to you from the Amplified Bible. For by the grace, the unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than than he ought. Not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. Each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. So if I understand what Paul is saying here, he, he's basically saying that not every one of us are at the same level of faith we we are not all at the same degree of faith and and that God has given to us a measure of faith he has dealt to every man the measure of faith and and I I think from the context of us as a body uh, whether it's it's corporately and and what we do and how we navigate this this situation we're in or or even with those of you that are that are deacons and, and you're leading an oikos, that within your group there are people who have different measures of faith. And and God has given to us the measure of faith that we need according to the, the, the responsibility. Uh, the role that we have, the things that He's called us to do. Now, I do believe that that we can that our faith can grow and develop. I, I think one of the principles of that is Romans, uh, where Paul says in Romans that that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope, and I think that's an ongoing process, and and that sort of each time as we cycle through that process, our our experiences are greater and so our hope is greater our faith is greater but but god knows that we are all sort of at different levels and and so i, I want to i just want to encourage you personally again i hopefully uh, most of you that i may be talking to right now you are just absolutely full of faith and and god's got this and there's no need to worry there's nothing to be concerned over and if that's where you're living, so be it. But for others that maybe that's <clears throat> not quite your reality, uh, and, and you find yourself in the ups and downs uh, of, of all that's going on, I, I want to encourage you that you're not flawed, you're not messed up, God knows where you are. In fact, and I've used this many different times in several contexts, but but one thing that really intrigues me, one of the to me one of the most sensational stories in all of scripture is that of Elijah on top of Mount Carmel when he he challenges over 800 prophets he he goes against one man goes against 800 prophets and and the the challenge is you know whichever god is the real god he's going to answer by fire and and Elijah sits for hours and watches all of these prophets of Baal as they call on their God and nothing happens. There, There's no answer. Of course, we know why there's no answer because Baal is not God. And and Elijah watches this and finally it, it gets done. And, and so Elijah says, you know, he, he builds the altar. He calls for the barrels of water, soaks the sacrifice, and then he stands there. And And I know the scripture doesn't give us all the details, doesn't paint every Uh, detail of the picture but if you'll permit me I just I kind of imagine Elijah standing there um, not you know standing there very calmly I don't think he had his veins bulging out of his neck I don't think he was screaming and hollering but I just I just imagine him imagine him fairly calmly just calling on God and and calling on the fire to fall and the fire falls and Licks up the sacrifice, licks up the altar, and I mean, what an absolutely just sensational moment! And 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 you would think that from that moment, uh, to me at least, Elijah would just go from that to greater and greater and greater uh, exploits. And yet, the very next chapter—not even a couple of chapters later—but the very next chapter. We find Elijah running for his life because Jezebel has threatened him. And and actually, we find him to the point where he's asking God to just kill him. (laughs) He's not even just running for his life. He's so hopeless, he wants God to kill him. And so here, here we have this great prophet, this great man of God, who goes from the top of the mountain calling fire down from heaven to uh to to one threat by the queen and now he's asking god to to uh to to just take his life and uh i I guess if if that's the if that's sort of the uh process that elijah went through uh I, i think we can expect to go through some ups and downs um and 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 have moments of faith, and then there's moments of, of doubt and fear, which is why we, we've we got to do as Paul said, and we must take captive every thought. We must cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against, not, against God and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me read along these lines uh, a couple more verses to you, and, and that's in Romans 14. And, and let me say this: I, I understand that sort of the uh, the the initial pure application of what I'm about to read is it's it's essentially a little bit different context. But I think the principle that is in these verses, um, I think it applies to what it is that uh, the the point I am uh, making to you right now. And so that's Romans 14. Romans 14, and I will. Uh, We'll start reading with verse number one. Paul says this, him that is weak in the faith receive you now i say it's a different context because as we read on you'll you'll hear um, some of the things he's talking about and and he's talking about some of the beliefs and the convictions that they have. but if we just simply take this this uh, this statement at face value. Um, I I definitely think it is applicable to to this point and, and to what we are dealing with. And so he says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God... Hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So Paul saying here, if somebody is weak in their faith, don't don't judge them, don't criticize them, don't isolate them, don't don't make them feel bad for their struggle in faith. He says he says don't don't receive them to doubtful disputations don't don't don 't chide them I, I think the response is a response of of encouragement if you've got the greater faith than someone else it's it's not a rebuking of them for their lack of faith, but it's an encouragement i I have yet to um, in the last couple of weeks use one bit of hand sanitizer um, Not because I have some great conviction against it. I just really haven't cared much about it. And I know there's probably some of you watching that you're part of the reason why there is a shortage of hand sanitizer because you've got it stocked up and maybe you're taking a bath in it every night. But if you choose to do that, so be it. If you choose to be like me, and and I know there's others whose faith is much greater than I am and just... Please understand, I'm using just a very um, minor example here. But the bottom line is, there's no value, there's no purpose in us judging one another and criticizing each other. Because I, I'm pretty certain we can all find ourselves um, in circumstances and in, in, in situations where you you may not have as strong a faith as others do and so if this situation we're in right now is one that you've got great faith in then so be it be an example be a leader but if you if you're one of those that maybe you're a little bit weaker in your faith then then Paul says we we're, we're not supposed to judge you we're not supposed to reject you and and in fact you know the the guy that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to <laughs> we find him going through some pretty significant ups and downs as well. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that before Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to Paul, or to Peter, excuse me, and and he made that declaration that, you know, thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, I'm pretty certain that the Lord knew that Peter was in fact going to end up denying Jesus. I don't think that was a surprise. I don't think that took him uh I don't think that caught him off guard. And yet, God still chose Peter. Not only was he given the keys to the kingdom, but he's the one who stands up on the day of Pentecost and 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 is the primary one to deliver the message that day, the message that we use so often as as one of the the fundamental passages of a sort of a um synopsis of, of some of the steps of, of salvation. Uh, so I, I want to, I guess this is twofold. I want to encourage some of you, uh, again, maybe you can relate to, to what I've said and found yourself a, a little bit up and down or maybe feeling a little bit guilty by those around you that are professing great faith and no, no worry and no fear and no doubt Um, So I I, want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that that it's a process. Uh, In fact, Paul says that he fought the fight of faith. He said, I I fought the fight. He says, I kept the faith. Why, Why did Paul have to keep the faith? I think he had to keep the faith because he went through circumstances and situations that were trying to take his faith away from him. And so he had to keep the faith. And so we're dealing right now with unusual circumstances that we must keep the faith over, but not to not to be redundant, but some of you are already dealing with circumstances that required great faith uh, before the coronavirus emerged. And again, once it passes on, you, you've got situations that that you're going to continue to have to face. And so I, I believe that, that what we're going through, the bottom line is I believe everything that God lets us go through, that God leads us through, is for the purpose of developing us, maturing us, growing us. And and this is no different. This is a part of that. And so uh, again, I'm encouraging some uh, that that keep fighting the fight of faith. And when you're struggling and you're weak, then the Lord knows your frame and he'll help you. And then the challenge is to those of you that uh, seem to have great faith and there's no doubt, there's no fear, there's no struggle. Uh, You're not supposed to walk around wearing that like you've got, you know, you you are superior to everyone else. Um, We're in this together. We need each other. And, And those whose faith may be weak need those whose faith is strong. Uh, not looking down on them, not not uh, thinking that they are better because they've got great faith and others don't have faith. We're in this together. We are a body. And whether that's us as a congregation or those of you that may end up watching this from someplace else, we're all a part of the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is connected the way that God intended, we can be of great benefit and blessing to one another. So that that was... Um, again, in, in light of kind of where we are, just uh, something I wanted to share with you for a few minutes. And so now let me get on to, I guess, kind of what um, several days ago, again, that that the Lord uh, had impressed upon me. And um, as I've already said, I, I had anticipated, assuming we would be sort of normal circumstances this evening, that it's it's what I felt led to, to preach. Um, and and it's going to be, um, none of this really is going to be anything uh, brand new or revelatory in the sense of something you've never heard before. But as as you well know, the, the Lord quickens things to us at different times and different seasons. And um, the, the Logos uh, that we may be very familiar with can become a rhema. And so, i guess i I feel like that's what that is, and so uh, a very familiar story for for many of you i'm sure and and that's the story of esther and um two of the two of the verses in that whole book that are i would say probably some of the most most um the most used verses in the whole story and and that's in Esther chapter four in verse number thir- to starting with verse thirteen I will read thirteen and fourteen so verse 13, the, the exchange has already taken place between Esther and Mordecai. And Mordecai is challenging Esther uh, in light of the, the uh, impending doom upon the, 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 ch- the children of Israel. And so uh, verse 14, Mordecai commanded to Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. So just because you're in the king's house, Esther, that, that doesn't mean you're going to get away from uh, from this this uh, dangerous situation that they found themselves in. And then verse 14, he says, for if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. I I'm always challenged, I guess, by, by Mordecai's words there. He is not questioning or doubting if God is going to give deliverance. He is absolutely certain that the Jews are going to be delivered from this crisis. And, and so the point is, as he goes on to say, Deliverance is, uh, then shall, de- let me just start over, verse the beginning of verse 14. If all together you hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. So, So again, he's saying deliverance is coming. No question, no doubt, deliverance is coming. And I believe it's the same for the church, not just simply in regards to the current set of circumstances. We're going to face more things in the future. We're going to face more challenges in the future. And we need to always be certain. We need to always be confident that deliverance will come. God is going to get us through, whether it's collectively, what we may face as an entire body, uh, a, a local church, the church worldwide, whatever, God's going to provide deliverance. Or if it's what you're going through personally that God will provide deliverance. Mordecai had no doubts. But here's the point, and, and here's the question he poses to her. Who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this? The Amplified says, says it this way, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance shall, shall arise for the Jews from elsewhere but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this and for this very occasion. I, I don't think Mordecai was saying it to Esther that way as a as a question. I think the term is uh, rhetorical because I believe that Mordecai believed that Esther had been brought to the kingdom, had been put in the role that she was in by divine appointment, that God had put her there for this exact season, this exact purpose, and 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 God knew what was coming and purposefully orchestrated everything in her life to get her in that place. And again, the the, the amplified says for for this very occasion. And and I feel like the one of the things the Lord impressed upon me a few days ago is we really need to have the confidence that we have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 which is is often referred to it's obviously not a theological term but it's referred to as as faith's hall of fame and the entire chapter spins uh spins uh, makes references to To all of the great heroes of faith, many of them that are named specifically in that chapter. And then some of them, uh, they, they are referenced in a way that you know exactly who they're talking about. And then, and then even more that we may not know exactly who they are, but what they did, what they accomplished by faith is referenced in these, in these passages. And so this chapter is full. It's, it's full of some of the most notable, uh, people throughout all of scripture. And and people that I would say, uh, I guess, guess you could say, the people that we look up to, the the people that are our biblical heroes, and 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 the problem with that is we we typically have our heroes on a pedestal, and and we could never measure up to them. But the last two verses of this chapter say something uh, I think very important, very significant for us. And and verse thirty nine of chapter eleven. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So they did their job. They fulfilled their purpose. They had faith. They accomplished great things. But they received not the promise. And really, it's this this last verse that I think we oftentimes uh, sort of wrestle with because of the way we, we see ourselves But the scripture says that the reason they did not receive the promise is because God had provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect or should not be complete. I I, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I do not see how that I can be a part of something that 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 Paul and Peter and James and John, that they are not complete without us. But that's exactly what, what the scripture says here, that everything they have, they did, everything they accomplished is not the final part of God's plan. It's not the final part of, of God's design. And so here we are, and, and Bishop talked about this a couple of, uh, or just over a week ago at, at Antioch United, and especially in the in the leadership meeting. And, and I I don't know, I don't know exactly how soon Jesus is coming, but I think it is extremely clear from scripture that we are in the last days. You, you don't have to, you don't even need to, to interpret uh, the, the visions of Daniel or Ezekiel or things in revelation to see the signs that we are in the last days. All you got to do to me is just read what Paul told Timothy about uh, that the last day's perilous times would come and, and he gives a, a list of very basic things there not uh, no, no no theological understanding needed um, he, he says men are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and and uh, the the multi-million actually probably multi-billion dollar industry of sports, uh, in this world that is so much based on men's love for entertainment, has, has come to a screeching halt. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I believe there's plenty of evidence in Scripture to say that we are in the last days, and and God doesn't do anything by accident. There is no, uh, there, there's no way that you and I were left here. Uh, by chance to be the leftovers, um, and 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 so this verse, in fact, again, it says that everything they did is not complete without us, and and I believe that that we need the Lord to help us. We need to get a revelation that we are in the kingdom. We are living today, right here, right now, for such a time as this. I, I can I just. I, I try to always be transparent, whether that's standing in a pulpit or in a small group setting, or here with you, where I can't see you but I'm talking to you. Uh, I, I thought about it the last day or day or two that um, I following in my dad's footsteps and 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 now pastoring Antioch Central and and sort of picking up the baton from him. I I've kind of thought in the last 24 or 48 hours, man. It how come he's not the one in my position making decisions, having to figure this out? But the bottom line is, God divinely orchestrated it. Now, obviously, I I seek His counsel and the counsel of other uh, men and women that have gone before me. But but the point is, God has positioned us, and and so I I want to I want to challenge and encourage every one of you that's watching. Uh, either live right now, or you may watch this in the future we we really need i believe we really need to get a revelation that we are here today by god 's divine design that he has he has appointed each one of us and and with all that God has already done throughout all of time, out of all of history. The the Scripture gives us promises that that the end is we're not leaving here as a crippled church we're we're not going to be raptured out of this world uh, just barely surviving it, the Bible says He's coming back for a glorious church and and so you and I are the ones that are a part of that you and I are if I could say it in this way we are the players who are on the field. That God has purposely positioned at this point in time. I, I've used this reference many times, and with the regards to these very verses. But uh, I, I don't know if this term is still used today or not. But there was a there was a period of time. I think it was kind of during my high school years that uh, that that the term. Um, and in, I guess maybe in a variety of ways, but we used it primarily in a sports context. The the guys that weren't really good, maybe the guys that were actually on your team, but they weren't really good, we called them the scrubs. Uh, they 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 were they were the you know you, you needed them. We at Antioch Christian School, um, we one of the reasons I guess we had a basketball team is you only actually had to have five guys on the court and so uh, unlike baseball or football where you got nine or 11 or whatever on a field all you need is five and and even if you only had five it was kind of nice having at least a couple of guys that could come in if somebody got injured but all you had to have was five and so as small as ACS was, we always seemed to be able to have at least five, usually a few more. And, and uh, you know, at, at uh, my years of playing basketball, there were no tryouts. There were no cuts. It was pretty much if you wanted to play, you were on the team because we never had more guys uh, or we never had too many guys for the team. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes there was there was some scrubs um, but if, if we were in a game and that was on the line and, and coming down to the wire, uh, it was still tight. Coach Humphrey, uh, he, he would have the guys in the game that he had the most confidence in, the guys who had proven to be the most skilled players. The, the scrubs, they, they got in at the end of the game when it was a blowout. But when it was still on the line, the best players were in the game. And, and the game is still on the line not in the sense of God not being able to do it, but but as we're facing uh, gross darkness, as the scripture tells us, uh, forget the coronavirus. We've been living with so much turmoil and chaos in this country the last several years. Um, (laughs) It's a painful thing for many that are experiencing it, especially if they've lost a loved one, but but I, I in some ways it's a little bit of a distraction from all of the the political fighting that's been going on and and the the issues that we're facing um in our world so again the bottom line is we we we've been facing great challenges and great great opposition in our world and and so from that context the game is not over and and so you and i are not here we are not here right now as as sort of just, you know, God had no other choice, and so we're here. God could have easily decided that Peter and James and John and, and the other apostles and the other great men of the Bible, great women of the Bible, uh, that, that they would have been born and living in 2020, but they're not. They've already died. They obtained a good report through faith, and you and I are here and God has put us here to to complete what He's done through them, and and so again, I I want to challenge you to believe that we are at the kingdom for such a time as this. And and I say challenge because I think most of us, and I will uh, quickly acknowledge myself included, uh, looking at myself in the mirror. And, and thinking that I am a part of that is, is not always easy for me to believe. But I, I believe the word of God to be true. And I believe that God has promised great things in these last days. And you and I are in the kingdom at this point in time for such a time as this. No matter how you see yourself, no matter how small or insignificant you may possibly feel, you need to believe that God has divinely brought you to the kingdom at this point in time. He knew we would be facing what we're facing right now and whatever it is we're going to face in the future that we don't even know the details of it yet. We don't know the extent of it yet. God already knows and he has already positioned us at this season for this time and and so I, there there's one other sort of uh thought that that the lord uh impressed upon me a couple of days ago and and um i will i will trust that that they will kind of work together and be connected here but i want i want to read several verses to you from uh first samuel chapter 4 and and i'm going to read a, a number of verses so hopefully maybe you got your phone or a bible or something you can uh follow along with And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army of the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring forth thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, Where they were with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing, therefore. It, it amazes me, and there's several times throughout Scripture where, where the enemies of the people of God had more confidence in God than the actual children of God. The, the other very notable example to me is, is the story of, of when the uh, two spies were sent into Jericho, uh, to spy out the land right before the children of Israel went into the promised land. And Rahab the harlot tells them, you know, where have you guys been? We heard about you 40 years ago and our hearts melted with fear because 40 years ago we believed that God had given our land to you. And, and that's basically what the Philistines are saying here. In fact, uh, in the next couple of verses, there's a direct reference to it. Verse number eight, woe unto us. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods. And, and if you're, if you got your. Bible open there you'll see that the word it's it's saying God's plural but it's actually capital G so it's referencing the God but I believe the reason it's saying God's plural is because you have people who believe in multiple gods who are referencing the God of Israel these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness be strong and quit you like men quit yourselves like men and and that, that phrase, you can read it in a couple of other translations. It basically means act like men. So quit ye like men, you Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. So he's saying there, we, we, we got to fight. We got to do something. Otherwise, we're going to end up being servants to the Hebrews because they were afraid of the God of the Hebrews and what he could do. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his own tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. So just a couple of verses before this, they've gone to get the ark. They've gone to retrieve the ark, which represented the presence of God. And then the children of Israel hear this great celebration, or excuse me, the Philistines Hear this great celebration because of, of the children of Israel rejoicing over the presence of God coming home. And, and, and they're afraid by this. They're worried about this. And they say, we got to do something. Otherwise, it's not going to be good for us. And so they go fight against the children of Israel. And Israel was smitten. Notice again, they, they were afraid of the God of Israel because he had defeated the Egyptians. And yet they still fought against the children of Israel and they won. And and I want you to notice uh, the statement kind of in the middle of verse 10. Speaking of the children of Israel, they fled every man into his tent. And, and so the, 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 the second thing I want to challenge you, and really if we are going to recognize that we have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this and for whatever else our future holds, we, we cannot as believers, we cannot as the church, and if I could say directly to those of you who are part of Antioch Central, we cannot afford to run every man to our own tent. We, we can't allow crisis to cause us to go and hide. We, we can't allow crisis to cause us to isolate ourselves from everyone. I, I said it in the, in the message I sent out yesterday, and, and I'll say it again. I, my, my approach uh, right now is, is trying to, to be that of we get in the car, we trust God to protect us, but we also put our seatbelt on uh, in an effort to be wise and, and use common sense. So I, I'm, not, I'm not making this point in a really in, in sort of a literal context right now uh, in the sense that here we are, many of us joining us, joining this, and, and I'm sitting in my own home right now, and, and so we are separated uh, but I also, I know some of you gathered together in a variety of places. So, so again, I'm not saying this first and foremost in the physical context. I, I mean this in the context of the fact we are a body, we are a church, and, and we can't just run and hide. We, we can't just run to take care of ourselves. We, we need to, to keep the well-being of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ in mind, and secondly, a world who has no hope without Jesus Christ. We we must keep them in mind and and we must not simply just focus on how do we protect? How do we preserve ourselves? It, in essence, that's really what uh Esther was doing. That's what Esther was 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 first saying to Mordecai, I'm, "I'm I'm running to my own tent. I'm going to hide in the palace, and 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 I'm going to try to let that be my place of safety." And Mordecai's response is, "You you can hide all you want in the palace, but this is going to get to you as well. And and so we 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 can't let that be our our response. We can't let that be our." Our reaction that the the body of Christ is is built upon love and and love is selfless Uh, love is sacrificial and and so that that means we have to put the needs of others um, sometimes above our own needs I say sometimes because we, we have families we have responsibilities and I don't think we're supposed to just automatically neglect our own needs but again, we're not supposed to put our needs uh, uh, above the needs of, of everyone else. We, we have to realize I don't need to just run to my own tent and, and find a place of safety and then hope that everybody else is okay. Uh, hope that everybody else has what they need. That, uh, that, that may mean you need to see if, you know, somebody else needs some hand sanitizer or maybe somebody else needs a little bit of your toilet paper right now. Uh, and you 're not just providing for your for your own needs um, obviously that that will pass and that won 't be our challenge in the future but um, we we need to be mindful we need to be mindful i, I think i think human nature i don 't think it 's our i don 't think it 's our uh, i don 't uh, our our spiritual man our our spiritual nature, but human nature is to look out for ourselves to to uh, to make sure that everything is good for ourselves, and and I just I feel very uh, impressed to challenge us as a body to not just run to our our own tents. This, this morning the the uh, anchor bus ministry, and, and usually uh, we we they the bus runs and brings kids to church and. And, uh, and instead of that happening, the the staff that's a part of Anchor they they went out and 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 they they, they went out and met with um, the children and the families and and uh, I believe they took some some uh, gifts and and took some stuff to them and and I, I received word of some of the impact that that had. I I am certain with with the uncertainty that we face that. Uh, Brother Sister Brown and those that work with them, it would have been very easy to do as others did today, and others did if I could say it this way with my blessing uh you You stayed home and 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 you trusted in the in the security of your household and and uh you trusted jesus and and probably trusted a little bit of lysol and and bleach and whatever else as well but you you, you were in a you were in a comfortable place. Um, but, but there are those that are recognized. I can't just run to my tent. I can't just look out for my own. And, and, and if I could say this as well, obviously those that are, especially the deacons uh, in, in Antioch Central, this, this is obviously something that, that applies to them. But this isn't about a position of leadership. This isn't about the fact you have a title or a role. The bottom line is we all have a responsibility as the body to to not just run to our own tent, to not just take care of ourselves. The biblical illustrator uh, makes makes this point. Wherever this is possible, Christians must cultivate a familiar acquaintance with each other. How often a church is rather an aggregation of independent units than the coalescing of congenial fervent hearts how often the church is it's just a bunch of independent units that may gather together in a in a church service or in a small group in a house and other settings and yet ultimately we are we, we we sort of maintain our independence we are the body of christ we are we are individual members of the body of Christ that have been joined together by the Spirit of God. And and, and because of that, I, I guess I, I, I would say it this way. I, I really don't have the right to just run to my own tent, to run to my own house. And and, and obviously none of this is saying uh, that you don't use wisdom, whether it's in this situation or or in uh, situations in the future um, that that you have to face, that you use wisdom. You use common sense. I said it the other day. I don't think the phrase common sense, the words common sense are in the Bible, but I, I, I kind of believe that common sense is a gift that God gave us. Um, that there are some things we don't need God to tell us. I don't need God to tell me not to touch the hot stove. I've got common sense. If I touch the hot stove, I'm going to get burned. I don't need the direction of the Spirit of the Lord for that. And so I'm not, in, I'm not telling you to disregard common sense. And, and, and I guess going back to the very beginning point, you, you obviously have to operate on your measure of faith. But again, the only way to increase your faith is to use your faith. If, if I'm going to take the measure of faith that God has given me and see that measure of faith grow and increase, I've got to use it. It's just like our, it's like our natural muscles. The only way for our natural mu- muscles to get stronger is we've got to use them. And, and so for our faith to grow, we've got to use it. Uh, so I would encourage you, operate at the measure of faith that you may be currently at but allow God to bring circumstances and situations in your life that require you to exercise your faith so that your faith can be increased. So that not only in the the time you're in right now or the time we're in right now, we can trust that God has brought us for this time, he has equipped us for this time, but we can use this as 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 an experience for what's to come. I, again, I, I don't know what the future holds, and and as I said also yesterday in the video, I I really believe the principle is we need to we need to walk one day at a time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and if I can if I can find God's will and God's plan and God's direction for today, that's going to get me to where I need to be for tomorrow. And and I'm not saying we're naive or, or we we. Uh, we we disregard everything that we may know or we may have an idea about that's coming in our future but uh, it, it, jesus said don't take any thought for tomorrow for uh, some of the translations say that tomorrow is going to have its own problems <laughs> and we've all experienced that there, there's going to be more stuff tomorrow and so if god can get me through today he can position me for where i need to be tomorrow and, and but we're not going to get there also by simply running and, and taking care of ourselves and looking out for for ourselves. I I don't know what this coming week holds. I, I don't know what next weekend holds. As I said this morning, and I will remind you, we're we're we are not. I am not making any decisions about uh, whether that's life courses this week or Thursday night service or this coming weekend. We we've got Brother Jackson scheduled for this coming weekend and. And, and there's really no point. I, I I know I'm repeating several things that I said yesterday in the message I sent out, but I, I will repeat another one. Uh, every time I've been in the midst of a of a what if conversation the last few days, uh, it's done nothing but really produce anxiety and fear for those involved. What what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What what if this shuts down? Or or, or what if they don't let us do this? Or we, we have no idea. They're, they may do that. And for all we know, by the end of this week, we, we could be going back to, to things being a little more, little more normal. You and I don't know either way. But one thing I do know is that God knows. God knows exactly what not only the next couple of days hold, but the next couple of weeks, the next couple of years. In fact, however long it is until, until his second coming, he knows everything we're going to face, and and so we, we've got to be confident that we are here by God's divine appointment for such a time as this, and you and I have what God has equipped us with that we need for this time. So I'm encouraging you because whether, whether it's your family members, uh, especially if you're the head of your household, um, but assuming you continue going to work, uh, if you're not telecommuting the next several days, or whatever the circumstances are, you're going to be around people that, that need to hear some faith and trust in God. And, and so I, I'm encouraging you that God has brought you, uh, if you're sitting watching, listening right now, I believe I'm talking to you that God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And and Whether you're a student in school or college, uh, whatever your job is, wherever you live, the neighborhood that you're in, the people around you, wherever it is, God's brought you to the kingdom. But if God's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this, you're not going to be who you are and what God has called you to be by simply hiding out and running, all of us running to our own tents. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join with me this evening. Uh, again, we, we will be communicating. Uh, the, the primary ways we're going to be communicating is uh, by Realm, by the, by the Antioch Central email distribution list, and we will also be using our, our social media, both Facebook and Instagram. So if you're not connected to one of those, you need to do that. Um, And more than likely, if you don't know how to get connected, if you don't know how to get set up on Realm, or if you don't know how to get on the church email distribution list, I'm pretty sure you probably know somebody that can give you some direction of who to contact. And so uh, you you will be hearing from us. I, I will encourage you that if you're not hearing anything, if you're not seeing any emails, then Then you need to make the assumption at that point everything is is um happening as as sort of regularly planned. I promise that as soon as I feel direction to change anything or or cancel anything, we will let you know as quickly as possible. Um, so we will be communicating and uh, i I have been, and I definitely will continue to pray for each one of you, your families, your households. I realize that in addition to uh, the the physical aspect of what we are facing right now, some of you are probably facing financial uh, challenges and crisis. And, And I want to remind you all of these things, whether it's the physical aspect of this, the financial aspect of it, whatever else, however else you're affected by it, not only is God in control of it, but God's going to take care of all of it. So uh, assuming um, there's a bunch of you that may still be online watching before we actually sign off here, wherever you are, uh, whether you're by yourself or in a group of people, I'd like us just to take a few moments, and uh, we may not all be together, but wherever we are, God is with us, and and let's just take a moment. If you are actually maybe somewhere where you're in a group of people, I was about to tell you to join together, but you may want to keep your six-foot bubble. So if you want to keep your six-foot bubble, you can air touch uh, one another, and um, or you can touch one another and then go find yourself some um, hand sanitizer real quick. I'll leave that all up to you and your measure of faith. It's, it's good, whatever you decide. Obviously, right now, I don't really have a choice unless I were to reach out and touch Esther, who's on the other side of the camera waiting to shut this all down when I finish here. Um, but, So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we we sit here in this moment. This is so different so far from anything we have ever experienced to this point, would have anticipated, and yet, Lord, you knew, and, and I trust God is As the one that is responsible for leading this wonderful group of people that are part of Antioch Central, I trust that I am following the leading of your spirit for their well-being, not only physical but spiritual, Lord. But I trust that for each one of us, you are leading us and guiding us, that you are protecting us, that you you are ordering our steps. And Lord, I do believe and I am confident that you do know Not only what's going on right now, but you know what tomorrow holds, what the future holds. And you've promised, you've given us so many great promises that in times like this, we we may not, during other seasons of our lives, we may not rely upon them quite as much or quite as much as we should. But no doubt in times like this, we, we hold to those promises And so I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you that you are ordering our steps. Lord, I I believe you're able to keep us. I believe the same way in which you were able to show a difference between the children of Israel in the plagues that took place in Egypt. You can do that with us. But I also acknowledge, God, that according to your purpose and plan, that doesn't mean we are all, as believers, automatically going to be exempt from what goes on. And that's why ultimately we've got to trust that everything is working for good according to your purpose, to those that love you. I pray your blessings upon every individual right now that's watching, that may watch in the future, that's a part of this congregation. I pray peace upon every mind, upon every home. I pray right now, Father, that upon every dwelling place of of your people that a spirit of peace would abide. Lord, your word says that your love casts out fear. I pray right now, God, as we sang in the few beginning few moments of this time together, that you would fill every place, every dwelling place with your presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. I look forward to whatever the next time is. I get to see you over the next couple of days. Until then, my Thoughts and prayers will continue to be with you. God bless you.